0: Howdy, friends. Welcome back to Experience Design with Tony Dosat. I happen to be Tony Dosat. Whether this is your first time tuning in or you've come back for more, I want to thank you for joining me. And if you find value in what you're hearing, please do take a moment to subscribe and leave a review. It's always greatly appreciated. And with that, what do you say we jump into the interview? Well, here we are with Austin Govella. A good fella. Have you heard that before?
1: <laughs> Actually, I've not. I usually get Austin from Houston. That's oh, <laughs> the that. Yeah.
0: Well, thanks so much again for being available and being on the podcast. And it's a, it's really a pleasure to have you.
1: Well, well thanks. I've been uh, I've been listening to the the podcast for a couple months here.
0: That's really cool. So, if I were to jump on <clears throat> your LinkedIn and stalk you a bit, I see that. You started as a information architect, web developer, uh, then information architect, user experience designer, consultant, development editor, and then experience director, digital innovation studio right now at avenad so you've you've sort of run the gambit from developer, architect, designer, different sorts of companies here, and then we get to you as an author, and there's a little book people might know lovingly referred to as the polar bear book how did you get involved with that
1: well i've i've only done i i did a tech review for one of the editions and then they they included some of my work in one of the editions as an example and that was the one community that's always been my tribe is the information architecture community and it's it's kind of ineffable but i can't describe why those people feel like home but it's whenever i would go to the ia summit which is now the ia conference it's like just these are my people right Mm. and it's in a way that that i've never felt connected with the community people either personally or professionally right or with you with family and so i met peter moore morville and lou rosenfeld at some summit or another you know many years back and that's also where i met christina christina woodkey and we we co-wrote an ia book as well probably about a decade ago and one of the things that's really nice about about that community is it's very open and very sharing right and that's and that's one of the ways actually how how my piece was was included in that version of polar bear book as i just published it on a blog back when people published things on blog oh really but there is there i think there is something magical when you can just share stuff about and it gives other people a chance to respond to it. And by nature, right, it, it can't be complete and final because you have a day job, right? You can't spend mm. all your time, all your off time, cranking out diamonds. If you're just gonna share stuff, it has to be rough. And you have to have a comfortable community uh, to, to do that with. Um, but that was that, was, that was how I got involved with that. And I think it's amazing. I think the polar broke, it's like fourth edition now. Yeah. Uh, probably 20 years, 20, no, wow. 25 years maybe. So what so was
0: years. the genesis of you writing collaborative product design? help any team build a better experience?
1: The short answer is, I, I lead lots of these cross-functional teams. The majority of my time has been spent as a consultant versus mm. kind of an internal resource. And get whenever I get a new team, which isn't quite every project, but it's pretty close, and you have new designers that are, that are kind of earlier on in their career, there are lots of things that I tell them as part of the coaching, and I kind of do it all over and over again. So the short answer is that stuff that I tell new designers all the time. And in, and in terms of that like perspective, it works. Um, I had some people ask me some questions on a new project this last week, and I just sent them a chapter. It's like, here you go, go read this. <laughs> and uh, I was like, oh, man, wow, that really worked. But the 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 genesis really is around just my work style, I think, really, and being, being very humble. I believe that my work style is the best work style. <laughs> but the idea that that the designer isn't the one who designs stuff, right? It's the whole organization. And and the reason the reason for that is, is that what the designer is good at is taking a rationale and then adjusting an interface um, to support what you're trying to do, right? That, that's what designers are good at. But designers are less good at understanding the customers. And I know I know we, we have a whole transfer of user research where they, they think that's their job, but really like the sales team... They do a good job at understanding their customers and so does the marketing team and so does the product owner they all kind of have a different flavor of who the customer is and the same thing can use researchers but there's all these people who have a who have a good sense of understanding the customers and there's a whole group of people who have a good understanding of what the business rationale is or what it should be and then what the technical constraints are and the designer by themselves can't encompass all of that background and perspective mm. by themselves And i think that's one of the reasons why really good, really good products, they really do have a really good cross-functional team that communicates. And that doesn't mean that, that your product owner, your client, or the dev comes in and designs the screen for you. Like, there is, there is. everybody has what they're good at. But that also means that even though I'm the person who makes, designs the screen, I'm not the person who came up with all the rationale, all the reason for why things the way they are. Like, I, I help the team figure out what those reasons were. Then I translate that and what, that, what it, that should look like on the screen. And if we're really well aligned, then they're going to see the screen and go, yeah, that's exactly what we're talking about. As opposed to like, no, that's not right. I don't like it. Come back with another version.
0: How do you get aligned?
1: Well, I think you just have to talk, right?
0: Whose responsibility do you think it is at the outset to create that North Star?
1: I'm going to just go all in. It's the team, team's answer. Yeah, if there's a sole person who does it, then you're not aligned. Yeah, and from my perspective at that point, the design, design is a facilitator. Right? Like you you know you need a North Star. Like if someone doesn't if there isn't one already, you know you need one. You help the team get there. But if the product owner walks in with a North Star, then they're missing key perspective from the dev team, from um, the UX, and design side, most likely from the research side. But I mean there's just it's not going to be fully rounded and it's probably not in the right north at that point, right? I mean it's what is kind uh, of what's your take take on that?
0: Well, I would agree. I think all the perspectives are vital to have. And as early as you can get all those key players in, the better. One of the big things that I like to sort of preach, and this could be in alignment with some people, and it couldn't be in alignment with some other people, is that, um, of course, there are people with expertise. And there are people that I would say are experts. You know that, I forget the doctor that said, you know, 10,000 or 20,000 hours, you become an expert i don't agree with that because that to me says all you need is that many hours to become the expert and it sort of goes into the idea of having the expert in the room and to me that silos the information into one person and silences the others and i think if we can all be okay with it's something i say over and over again is leading and collaborating with a teacher's heart and a student's mind so even though you might have the expertise coming in, we all have equal voice, right? And I don't want to other you if you think that you're not an expert or you might have a little bit of imposter syndrome. The more that someone else is highlighted as, oh, the big expert, the more that other person is going to go in the corner and not say anything.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's absolutely true, and, and I love I love that idea of the the teacher's heart, but the student's mind, and, and you're absolutely right about the expertise you really want it's, there's always like I, I run lots of workshops and there's always that one person at the workshop who's just really quiet and doesn't say much and oftentimes it's they they were added because someone thought they had a good perspective but for whatever reason they they feel like it's it's not worth chiming in right mm-hmm. all these other people are talking there's always that one person who talks all the time and maybe someone who's very seniors in there but when you finally like directly reach out to that Quiet person and get them to provide some feedback. There's always this like gem that yeah. they have just been sitting on, and it's it's critical and it's formative for the experience. And the reason they didn't they weren't offering that is because they felt like they didn't have the experience and or the authority. Right? Kind of just yeah. like who were they to say that? Right? What 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 value was in that? Yeah, I really I really really like how you, how you describe um, describe that piece.
0: And the the idea of yeah. You know, you hear a lot of people say, "Well, I'm no expert, but um very timidly." Right? And it's like, I don't need the preface, just just say it. We're all open here. And if you yeah. if you have a teacher's heart and a student's mind, I'm not afraid to go to those people that have that crazy expertise and hopefully if if they have the same mentality, they're not going to be condescending or they're not going to say like, yeah. "Oh, well, you should know that." You know, luckily I'm in a place right now where it's, I I find everyone to be just endlessly brilliant. And um, it's a great place to collaborate and share and learn. Now, let me ask you, we're talking about teams, but have you had any experience in a solo operation or someone who has their own gig or is a freelancer, where they may not have the opportunity to collaborate? Have you ever have you had that experience before?
1: Yeah, and that's that's a really good point. Like I probably I definitely like when I was working on the material for the book, it was definitely based on my kind of my experience with working with internal, external teams. I have definitely personally spent time as an independent kind of consultant. But when you're on a project, you're on a project. There's you're always you're always collaborating with a group of people on mm-hmm. that project. And I think that's your that's your team. But I think you're you're absolutely right that there is there are different opportunities for collaboration there, right? Like if you're on, if you're on like a small, like I one time, I had this like small consulting project with, uh, with like a, with a nonprofit where my main contact was just with someone pretty high. It was like a VP or something like that, but they didn't really let me get access to other people in the organization. Like I, I wanted to talk mm-hmm. to people in IT and I wanted to talk to some of the people in marketing and my stakeholder facilitated that, but it was very kind of closed and guarded, mm. which, which meant that I'm trying to go around and get everybody's perspective. And it made that made that more difficult. And I think the principles still apply, right? And it's like you said, you have the teacher's heart and student's mind. I think they're kind of three pieces that are really required for, for good collaboration. You have to make sure you're including everyone who, who should be included, right? You don't you know just survey everybody's walking to a Starbucks. You find the right people to talk to, but include everyone who should be included. You have to trust their feedback as it comes, right? Don't second guess what they're saying or why they're doing it. Like you ask the question and you get feedback, right? Just you you trust the feedback as it comes. And I think if if you have those two pieces, then then that helps every relationship become like more collaborative, right? Mm -hmm. That's kind of the key. I think one of the things that people really get hung up on is they think, well, this isn't the great team or this isn't the best collaboration or we're not going to create the best product. And 100% they're right. Absolutely. But in my... My 20 years of experience with all kinds of teams, with all levels of resources, and across all these different industries, different organizations with different types of uh, working models and different levels of maturity. There was never once in my career where there has ever been the best product. Everything we've ever shipped has always had compromises. Mm. The best is like the best is what your best your north star. Like you're talking about earlier, right? That's your north star. That's where you're headed. You've got to get this next one out so you can keep heading. That's like your next foot forward. And, and your journey of a thousand of a thousand miles starts with just that next release. you get it out the door and know it's not perfect and yeah, maybe this guy you're working with is a jerk and maybe you didn't have the user research you needed. who knows who knows what what's what's going on it's never perfect so just get over that piece right you go with what you have and you kind of keep moving forward that mindset that makes everything possible right at that point it, it's I just know I'm headed toward the release and everything between me and the release, it's just input to be managed. There aren't any blockers. There aren't any issues, right? It's just this person had some feedback. Let's talk about it.
0: I really dig that.
1: That was a long soliloquy. Sorry.
0: Yeah, you threw some
1: gold. <laughs> That's and my worry. passion. Yeah. I my love passion, the soliloquy, story, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Okay, so before I ask you the question that I ask every guest, where can people find you? Where can they grab the book, shoot you a DM if you want to be found?
1: No, I'm an introvert, but I'm one of those introverts that, that in public, you you wouldn't know an introvert because I fake being an extrovert because I'm trying to. I probably dislike conflict. So I'm I might to, be oh, <laughs> I might actually be the same way a little bit. The uh, but no, I, I'm on, I'm on Twitter right, and actually, I took a big step and I put my actual Twitter handle like in the book, um, so strangers that I don't know can reach out and ask questions. The third kind of key practice for collaborations you have to share, right? So just kind of you know practicing my own mantra, you know, share. Share with others, include everyone, and in trust. Trust feedback as it comes. I can definitely be caught on Twitter. And My email is it's ag at agux if Anyone wants to, to scribble it down. The but that's also it's all my it's on my website. Um, so I, I think it's pretty pretty uh, easy to find. The book is out. I don't know Riley, which was, um, well, it was it was very very fortunate for me. So it has pretty good distribution. you' will find it uh, yeah. just about about anywhere. But I want to just lean in on the finding piece. I remember a long time ago when I first found that the IA community. At first, you know, I was, I, I was like, all, all these people are cool. They're talking about stuff I like, and I feel like I belong. But I didn't know anybody, right? And then you just, you just reach out and you talk to people. And so I would encourage, if you have a question for anyone and at any level in the community, right? Like, just, just reach out. Don't stalk their home, their home address, and <laughs> show up at their front door. But you know, pinging them on Twitter or sending an email yeah. is totally acceptable, right? And that's something that everybody should feel comfortable comfortable doing. And I know, like for this for this book, the collaboration stuff is really personal, right? Like it's it's about this interpersonal stuff you're doing. It can feel really can be scary, can be really anxious about it. So just reach out to me and ask if you have a question. And even better, reach out somewhere public. Like if you are on Twitter um, or you're on LinkedIn, like reach out to your public network. Feel free to tag me, and I'll I'll jump I'll jump in. I, I have these uh, like. These types of kind of coaching conversations all the time and i'm uh, more than happy to do so but open yourself up you have to you have to share right in order to get the feedback from people and if, if you know it's it's a little too personal too scary then you know, ping me personally
0: now let's let's hit it with that last question
1: oh man
0: okay man. so i know you've listened and i know you've struggled with this but for everyone out there i'm just gonna say the question, so they all hear it. What object or thing that you own that's non-digital means the most to you, or has impacted your life the most, and why?
1: Yeah, this is this is a real struggle, and uh, I think I've landed on books as an object. You no, know, I couldn't pick a specific book because each one is like a different. The ones that I've kept with me that mean a lot, they're all like like friends or ex-girlfriends, right? They each have this really significant piece. Mm -hmm. and we have all these like really intimate moments that you have with like you know objects that are important to you there's so much that books give you just in terms of you can go to new worlds live new lives learn new things you never even thought existed it's uh i'm going with books man it's like i spent weeks yeah (laughs) well when we were first emailing back and forth
0: you're like man i'm struggling and I actually, when I when I email people, I don't include that last question, so I could tell that you were actually a listener. Because...
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't remember. You had one guest that had a really perfectly succinct answer. It was it was like this really kind of cool pocket knife that he carried? That was really just the design was really sharp.
0: I've had two that have said uh, a pocket knife, and there's something about that utility and design. That I think is really interesting.
1: Yeah, yeah, I struggle with it. But that is such a, such a great question, especially we spend so much of our time in the digital world now. It's easy to forget that you're actually walking around in a meat suit on a bunch of dirt.
0: Yeah, man, that's so true. Well, I want to thank you again for being on. I really appreciate you, and I can't wait to have you back on next season, Austin Govella.
1: Yeah, thanks a lot, man. It was really, really awesome. I appreciate it.
0: All right, friends, with that, we will call it a week. Again, I want to thank my guest and thank you for tuning in. I hope you've enjoyed this episode, and if you did, don't forget to subscribe wherever you're listening. Also, if you want to look behind the scenes and have even more design goodies in your face and in your ears, you can follow Experience Design on Instagram at xdpodcast. Until next time, friends, stay curious. Experienced design with Tony Dosett is part of XD Media LLC. All opinions are my own and do not reflect those of my current or former employers. Hosting and publication of the podcast is through Buzzsprout.